The desire of Titus Women is to invite women around the world to know Jesus as their Savior, Center, and Source. May God guide and encourage you through this message by Vicki New. I'm going to share with you a little bit about what I've been um, learning in the life of Martha. And um, most of us have read the story of Mary and Martha. Martha was in the kitchen working and preparing a meal for Jesus and the disciples. And Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to his teachings. And we can often identify with one sister or the other. So Martha's story, we're going to begin tonight. Her story is found in Luke 10, 38 through 42, John 11, 1 through 44, and John 12, 1 through 3. So we're going to start with Luke 10, 38 through 42. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. And now we're going to jump over to John 11, and we're going to read 1 through 44. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to the disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but the disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the son of God who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. 
The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews, who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take the grave clothes off, take off the grave clothes and let him go. So that was a pretty long passage of scripture. So I'm just going to do a really quick summary. Lazarus, Mary and Martha's brother became sick. Mary and Martha sent word to Jesus to let him know that Lazarus was ill, but he died before Jesus got there. Verse 11, 5 says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And Jesus said to his disciples, Our friend Lazarus. So that tells me that he was friends with all the family, and he had a really close relationship with them. Jesus waited two days before he went to them. Many Jews came to comfort Mary and Martha, so they were evidently well-known. They got lots of support from family and friends in their time of grief. Jesus and his disciples went back to Mary and Martha's because they sent for him, even though it was dangerous for Jesus. And when he arrived, Lazarus had been dead and in the tomb four days. When they heard Jesus was coming, Martha left the mourners and ran to meet Jesus. Martha had a strong faith and belief. You are the Messiah, the Son of God. She had seen and believed his miracles. She knew he could help. If you had been here, he would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. And then Jesus had a conversation with Martha and he told her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Jesus loved this family. He often stayed with them. He knew their pain. He had compassion and sympathy. He shared in their hurt and in their grief. And he wept with them. And then Jesus performed the miracle and raised Lazarus from the dead. Then we're going to jump over to John 12, 1 through 3. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. So we're back at Martha's, and again, Martha is serving. 
and Mary anoints Jesus' feet before he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. So I'm going to go back to the passages in Luke 10. Martha is in the kitchen preparing. Jesus is coming. Martha had the gift of hospitality. She opened her home. And in that culture, hospitality was very, very important. There weren't hotels or restaurants to stop at on the way. It says in ancient Israel, hospitality was not merely a question of good manners, but a moral institution which grew out of the harsh desert in the nomadic existence. It was expected. It would be a dis disgrace to turn others away. Martha wanted the best for her guest, and she willingly opened her home. Jesus and the disciples were coming. Were there others with him? How many did she have to prepare for? One place I read said there could have been as many as 70, but I don't know for sure how many there were. Did she invite them and know they were coming, or did they arrive unexpectedly? Regardless, she opened her home. She was welcoming, hospitable, caring. She was very capable. She invited guests often. And Jesus had probably been there many times because remember he, they said he loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And Jesus knew he would be welcomed. It was expensive to feed a large group, but she shared willingly. And it was probably dangerous to entertain Jesus, but she loyally welcomed him. It was very commendable that Martha wanted to provide the very best for Christ and for her guest. But as Martha was in the kitchen getting everything ready, what do you think she was feeling? Overwhelmed? It was a huge task. She was probably trying to hurry and get everything prepared. Lots of work, pressure, everyone waiting to be served and probably very hungry and tired. She was probably stressed out, worried, upset. There might have been a little bit of resentment and anger toward Mary because she was just sitting when she should be helping her. And there might have been a little bit of envy and jealousy because Mary got to sit with Jesus and Martha had to shoulder all the work. Martha was focused on serving and preparation, and she wanted Mary to focus too. Don't we do that? We frantically take on a task, and we work so hard to do things right, and we get frustrated when those around us don't take, us, take it as seriously and don't work as hard as we do. Do we sometimes feel we're doing all the work and shouldering all the responsibility and others don't even seem to notice or appreciate it? Martha had responsibilities. She had a schedule to keep, a deadline to meet. She had expectations, people to feed. The task was huge, more than she had anticipated, and she wanted Mary's help. She probably felt alone and left out, abandoned to do all the work. She was missing what was happening in the other room. She's probably weary, discouraged, a little full of self-pity, angry, and a little grumbly. Lord, don't you care? I can picture her in the kitchen with many pots and pans on the stove rushing here and there, trying to remember everything that she wanted to do. It was probably very hot in there from all the cooking. She was probably sweating. Her hair was probably frizzy and falling down. And Mary was sitting in the living room. But in all that was going on, Martha took her frustrations straight to Jesus. He was available to her, and he is available to us. Martha didn't just stay in the kitchen and fume. She had a relationship with him and she felt she could go to him and speak her mind. Luke 10 40 says, she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Jesus listened. 
He didn't condemn Martha or say what you're doing is wrong or how you're feeling is wrong. He gently said, Mary's choice is better. Jesus spoke to her with gentleness and tenderness and compassion. He said her name twice. Can't you hear him? Martha, Martha, calm down. You are worried and upset about many things. He didn't laugh or push her away. He wasn't too busy. He took time to listen to her heart and how she felt. And he cared about her pain and her frustration. He was patient and loving. But it was a teaching moment. He gently told her that her attitude was wrong. He didn't say, Mary doesn't have to help you. He said, Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Stop and think about it, Martha. Mary has chosen what is better. They both knew him. Mary settled in to listen, regardless of society's expectations or the cultural barriers. She sat beside the feet of Jesus, and she heard his word and his teachings. Martha also knew him, and she was close enough to take her concerns straight to him. Who do we run to? Our closest friends, someone who knows us, who cares, who listens, someone who shares our hurts, who we know will pray for us and respect our privacy. Jesus is there for us anytime, anywhere, and in any situation. He knows what we're going through. He feels our pain and our frustrations. He knows our suffering, our struggles, our weaknesses, and our fears. Jesus wants to give us open arms to run into. Psalm 91, 14 through 15 says, Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him, I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. He wants to give us his compassion and love. Romans 8, 35 through 39 says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor neither angels nor demons, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Psalm 103, 8 and 11, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. He wants to give us his word and teachings that will never be taken away. Luke 10, 42, that few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. 1 Peter 1, 25, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He wants to give us a place of refuge. Psalm 9, 9 through 10, the Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Psalm 91, 1 through 2 and 4. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. He will cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. Psalm 46.1, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. 
He wants to cast all our wants us to cast all our cares and our worries on him. Matthew 11:28 through 30. Come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Psalm 68:19 Praise be to the Lord to God our Savior who daily bears our burdens. 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Psalm 55, 22, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. And he wants us to sit with him in quiet and stillness. Psalm 46, 10, he says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. It's in the times of the stillness and the quiet, in the moments of silence, that we feel his presence and we hear his voice the loudest. Martha had a conversation with Jesus. She listened. She received. Did she go back in the kitchen afterwards? Or did she take her apron off and sit down beside Mary? I don't know. We are faced with choices every day, and we must learn to choose what's better. I'm going to share a story that's very embarrassing to admit. Years ago, when my daughter was young, I was a church secretary. I was also the office manager, the pastor's assistant, and I wore many different hats for almost 15 years. I had lots of head knowledge about how the church was run and lots of responsibilities. I had a master key to every room in the building, including everyone's offices. They had a lot of trust in me. And I not only worked in the office, but I was very, very involved in church on many, many of the organizations and the committees. I participated in lots of events in addition to attending worship services. On Wednesday nights, we had our church supper at 5.30, children's choir at 6, mission friends and GAs and all the things for the kids at 7, and prayer meeting for the adults. I would pick up my daughter, Shauna, from school, and I would take her back to the church office with me. And after I finished my work at five, there was only 30 minutes left until time for the meal. So I would just stay at church rather than driving the 15 minutes home and then 15 minutes back. The meals were awesome. It wasn't just hot dogs and potato chips, but we had real homemade delicious dinners. And I also volunteered to cook with my friend Charmin, and we would prepare a meal for around 100 people. I would fix my husband, John, a plate every Wednesday, and I would take it home to him, usually leaving about 8 o'clock after all mine and Shauna's activities were over, getting home about 8.15. One Wednesday night when I got home, John was extremely upset and angry. He had worked hard all day long. He came home to an empty, dirty house. He was tired and hungry, and there was no supper. There was no one home to welcome him. He had showered, and he was looking for clean socks, and there weren't any. I hadn't done the laundry. In my busy Christian service, which was good, I had been neglecting the one person who meant the most to me and not caring for my home. I had been doing a lot of things for Jesus, but in the doing, I had not made the better choice. 1 Timothy 5.8 tells us, but those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. It was very hard to take the criticism and my heart and my feelings were hurt. My pride and my ego was deflated. But I knew what John was saying was right. And I learned a very valuable lesson. We are faced with many choices each day. And Jesus wants us to make the better choice. And we have to ask ourselves, what is the better choice? What is most important? What is most beneficial? What is the Lord's will for me and how does he want me to use my time and what will bring him glory? Life is busy and complicated. 
The hours in our days are packed full and we can't stretch the 24 hours we're given to cover everything we want to get done. How can we manage what we must do, those day-to-day tasks, with what we'd rather be doing, sitting at Jesus's feet, reading and learning and studying and even serving in the kitchen? How do we determine if something, even Christian service, is an open door, an invitation, or an opportunity, or is it a distraction from what his will is and what is better? Martha was worried and upset. What worries and upsets us? Do our worries and our fears dominate our thoughts, our days, our lives? Do we drown ourselves in details? Do we allow those things to consume us? Or do we take them to Jesus? Proverbs 12, 25 tells us, an anxious heart weighs a man down. Matthew 6, 27 tells us, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Worry, stress, being upset can affect us both mentally and physically. Worry leads to more worry. It escalates and it grows. Many times it's unrealistic and exaggerated. Many times our imaginations take over. What if this happens or what if that happens? Worry makes us fix our eyes on our situation rather than on our Savior. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Be anxious about nothing. Don't worry. Be prayerful about everything. And be thankful for all things. I love this quote by Corey Ten Boom. She says, Any concern that's too small to be turned into a prayer is too small to be made into a burden. Questions that we can ask ourselves. What am I doing? Why am I doing it? Have I neglected the one thing that matters the most? Am I doing more and more for Jesus at the expense of being with him? What is my priority? The last few weeks, actually, it's been longer than a few weeks, I've been spending a lot of time with Mary and Martha. And I started thinking and asked myself, what if I was there? What if I was really with Mary and Martha when Jesus came? What would I be doing? Would I be in the kitchen helping Martha? And knowing me, that's probably what I'd be doing. Or would I be in the living room, sitting on the floor beside Mary, looking into Jesus's face and listening to his teachings? What choice would I make? I don't know about you, but sometimes my to-do list make me feel like I'm a failure or I failed, that I'm inadequate. I question myself, why didn't I get more done? I only checked off two of the 20 things on my list today. It weighs us down. We get discouraged and we feel guilty. Don't believe the lies of the enemy. Jesus loves us and he wants to share our hurts, our pain, our frustrations, the things that stress and worry us. He wants that same personal relationship and friendship with us that he had with Martha. He wants to daily share our lives and he wants us to run to him with our needs and our concerns and to be open and honest. Spending time with Jesus should be a time of joy and not one more thing on our to-do list. How do we nurture our personal relationship with God? I read and I love the simple little formula. Intimacy with Jesus equals time in prayer plus time in God's word time with Jesus. Martha was very distracted by all the preparations and didn't take time to sit with Mary 
and learn from Jesus? What distracts us from our time with Jesus? We live our lives at such a hectic pace and we try to do so much. We want beautiful organized homes. We spend hours looking at perfect Pinterest perfect houses, reading tips on organizing and decluttering. We want pretty clothes. We look up fancy recipes and want to make amazing dishes. We want to be the best mothers and grandmothers and attend all the events. We want to be the cool mom and all the kids want to come to our house. We want to take our kids to every event that's offered, to be present at every ball game. We want to go to every church event, volunteer for everything, chaperone everything. We want to be the perfect wife and have a hot meal every day, clean laundry, a beautiful restful home for our family. We have ideas in our mind that the world gives us. We're bombarded by media. And when we feel that we don't measure up, we get discouraged. We feel like we're not good enough and we're not doing enough. And when mishaps happen, when things don't turn out perfectly or go the way we think they should, or when circumstances change our plans totally, the three deadly Ds take over. Distraction, discouragement, and doubt, which can be tools of the enemy. Jesus doesn't want that for us. Jesus loves us. He wants to spend time with us. We are his beloved. We are chosen. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Each one of us is important to him and has a special place in his heart. Jesus didn't rush. He was always available to those around him. He told them, let the little children come. And he asked in the middle of a huge crowd, who touched me. As shared with us last week, we are never an interruption to Jesus. We are welcome in his presence and he has time for our needs. He is always available to us, every single one of us. He knows us, he sees us, and he's beside us. Martha was fretting about many things to look up in the different Bible translations, some of the uh, descriptions of Martha. Um, but mine, you know, Martha received him. She welcomed him and she opened her home to him. But then some of the things they said, she was distracted, cumbered, fussy, worried, upset, anxious and troubled, bothered, jittery and worrying, fussing too much, Thou art busy and art troubled about many things and anxious and concerned about a million things. Were many of the things that Martha was doing needless? Less would probably have been just fine. Jesus needed a meal. He needed nourishment. He did not need fancy appetizers. I've started to embrace the saying that good enough is good enough. And many times, less is more. Don't miss the moments. I am a Martha through and through. Christmas, a couple of years ago, I worked and I worked trying to make everything Pinterest perfect. I decorated our house from one end to the other. And I had a huge list of all the dishes that I was going to prepare for our meal. I tried to do a lot ahead before Christmas Day but there was still a lot to be done. My parents were coming, but they were elderly and they didn't drive anymore. So I drove an hour down to get them, picked them up and drove an hour back to my house. And then Shauna and my son-in-law, Chris, and my two grandsons drove down that morning. My mom had made a lot of side dishes, desserts, and tons of homemade candy. And Shauna came carrying more dishes bags of goodies, cookies, and all kinds of things she had made. I had appetizers for everyone to snack on while waiting for the main meal to be finished. And I'd made a vegetable tray in the shape of a Christmas tree. And I saw this on 
on Pinterest or on something. And I thought, oh, that is so pretty. I had hot apple cider, cheese ball and crackers, sausage balls, country ham and biscuits. But I also had to bake some more of the appetizer. I, I had some fancy bacon wrap things that I had seen on Food Network. And then I had to cook a lot of the casseroles. You know, I had sweet potato casserole and broccoli casserole. I had to make the dressing, make the mashed potatoes, the salad, and on and on. Mom, Shauna, and I spent hours in the kitchen preparing. And finally, it was ready. There was so much food, my snack bar wouldn't hold it all. And then all the desserts were spread out on the counter over by the stove. And there were more desserts than we had people. And there were seven of us. It didn't take us long at all to eat the meal. There was so much food, you couldn't tell that we'd even touched it. And the Christmas tree vegetable tray, no, it was barely even touched. Kids do not like raw vegetables. And then we had to divide up the food and put it in containers. We had to face the mountain of dirty dishes, pots, pans, baking dishes, and lots of Christmas china that I would not put in the dishwasher. After the dishes were done and the kitchen straightened, we finally went in the living room to sit down and open our gifts. Then it was time to pack everything up and take mom and dad back home. Another hour down, another hour back. The day was gone. Food had been a distraction and my priority and not my loved ones. What made me so sad and almost broke my heart was when my mama said, I didn't even get to see much of your tree or your decorations. We spent our whole day in the kitchen. Do I do that to Jesus? That I spend so much time in the kitchen that I don't take time to sit with him? The next year, I simplified the menu and I only had a few things that had to be cooked on Christmas day. I left the dirty dishes and I went and sat down in the living room with my family. We had a wonderful day together and we didn't spend the entire day in the kitchen cooking. We spent time together enjoying each other. Jesus and people should be our priority. Less can be more and good enough is good enough. And by the way, my sweet son-in-law and my grandsons did all the dishes while Shauna went with me to take mom and daddy home. What a fun surprise. The boys were so proud of themselves, and it gave them a chance to bless us. Are we serving Jesus rather than spending time with Jesus face-to-face -face and heart-to-heart? -heart? There's a big difference when our head is in what we're doing rather than when our heart is in it. Are we settling for kitchen busyness and missing the living room intimacy with Jesus? Sometimes we get so busy doing that we don't stop and ask, what's better? We stay in the kitchen like Martha, and we miss the moments that God wants for us. Do we hurriedly read through our devotion each morning, or is our heart engaged? It's okay to sit down a minute and be still, to take a time out from the busyness, the schedule, and the list. Faith, trust peace, and calm come as we spend time with Jesus. Proverbs 1.23, then I will pour out my thoughts to you, and I will make known to you my teachings. But we must be still and listen. Our heart must be involved to receive, not just our head. Jesus invites us to spend time with him. I love this quote from a book I read, and it said, in obedience to his invitation, we find the key to our longings and the secret to living beyond the daily pressures that would otherwise tear us apart. Martha loved Jesus. She invited him into her home. She showed her devotion by giving the best she knew how, the gift of service. She wanted to do her best. She was preparing a banquet fit for a king, the great I Am. It probably never occurred to her to stop, listen, and worship. In that culture, that was not the woman's role. She took control. She took care of the logistics and the details. She prepared and served so everyone else could worship and be with Jesus. 
Even though tradition and culture dictated that the women be in the kitchen, Jesus's words, only one thing is needed, broke down the barriers that separated the women. A woman sitting at the feet of a rabbi or a teacher was culturally unheard of, and the disciples were probably very uncomfortable with Mary sitting in, the, in there with them. But Jesus allowed, acknowledged, and invited. Can't you hear him say, Martha, Martha, it's okay to stop and sit with me, to listen to me, to learn from me, to spend time with me. Can't you picture his hand on her shoulders, calming her spirit face to face? The best self-help book we could ever read is God's word, the Bible. In it, he will strengthen and encourage our heart. He will give us his peace that passes understanding. He will instruct us in the way we should go. He will help us prioritize and choose what's better. He reminds us of his love. He promises to always be with us. And he tells us it's okay to be still and to sit with him. So often we give God the gift that we think he needs rather than taking time to find out what he desires. All my work in the church was good. It was important. But was it God's plan and his will for me or was it my plan? Our human agendas often weigh us down. We see things that need to be done. We take control, step in and do the work. And we add more and more to our list and we let other things slide. But is that what Jesus wants us to do? When I jump in, am I stealing someone else's blessing when I think I have to do it all? We rush in. We try to do it all ourselves. We take on more and more. And then when we do feel the Lord convicting our hearts and calling us to something else, we're so exhausted and overwhelmed following our own agenda that we're too tired to do what he really wants us to do. It may be important. It may be Christian service. But are we settling for good when God has better planned for us? Sometimes our pride and our to-do list and our self-focus gets in the way of our intimacy with Jesus. Oswald Chambers says, beware of any work for God that causes or allows you to avoid concentrating on him. In Martha's effort in the kitchen to prepare a meal worthy of her friend Jesus, the son of God, she nearly missed the banquet that was being served in the living room. What was Martha's motive? Was she just being hospitable or was she worried about what others might think? Was she trying to impress her guest? Did she want a great job, Martha, from Jesus? Did, do we think that the more we do for Jesus shows others how much we love him? We live our lives worrying about others' perception of us. And many times we do good things, but for the wrong reasons. Martha prioritized preparation. Mary prioritized being with Jesus. Martha wasn't doing anything bad. She was serving and being hospitable. It was good, but not the best. Good things chosen over better things can be a distraction. We exercise spiritual gifts of service, but we miss the presence of Jesus. And many times we're so focused, busy focused on those to-do lists and our checklists and we make lists and then we resent those people that don't. We get frustrated when others aren't doing things the way we're doing it and the way we want it done. Martha was annoyed with Mary and she may have even been a little annoyed with Jesus. Lord, don't you care? Look at all I'm doing. Tell her to help me. She assumed Jesus would be on her side. And after the death of her brother Lazarus, she was open and honest with Jesus, very outspoken, and maybe even a little disappointed if you had been here. And she was doubtful. Lord, he's been dead four days. But she believed in Christ's power. What might have been 
had you been here? Do we do that? Do we blame Jesus? Why did you let that happen? Jesus, if you had only been here, done this, took care of that. But what did Martha do in her difficult times? She ran to Jesus and he gently used it as a teaching moment. Am I worried, distracted, upset, easily annoyed, bothered? We live in a world of distractions, entertainment, technology, information. Everyone is walking around, heads down, phones in their hands. It's hard to have a conversation with youngsters. They're either on their phone or they're playing a video game and they hear only about half of what you say. We're more connected than ever through technology, but more are feeling more anxious and more alone than ever before. A lady from Microsoft says, continual partial attention is our country's new normal. One night, a coworker of mine said he was home after work playing a board game with his son. He would take his turn, and then he would be on his phone checking messages and texting until it was his turn again. He looked up, and his son had big tears in his eyes. And he said, Daddy, am I not playing it right? He said it nearly broke his heart. And after that, he told all of us his phone would be off in the evenings until his children were in bed. When we're in meetings, we're checking our phones. When we're sitting in a restaurant, instead of talking with someone, we're texting. Businesses use marketing ads that are bright and colorful with short messages. The shorter, the better. We don't have time to read anything that's too long. Did you know the average attention span is eight seconds? In church, we're thinking about other things. Our minds are distracted. Do we give our family partial attention? Do we give Jesus partial attention? A pastor shared he was in church worshiping, taking communion and praying and preparing his heart. And as he was silently praying, his mind was wandering and he remembered he'd forgotten to set the trash out. And then he remembered an upcoming appointment that he'd forgotten to write on his calendar. So he got out his phone to add the date and he got a hard pinch on his side from his wife. And as she got his attention, tearfully, he realized he had a communion cup in one hand and his phone in the other. We need to prioritize connection with others instead of scheduling responsibilities and then trying to fit in relationships. How many times do we say, I'm sorry, I meant to? We continually add tasks and responsibilities to our list and then other things slide. Jesus and people are urgent, the most important. Shauna and I were staying with my mom and dad while daddy was so sick. I was busy serving and caring for my dad. I was giving him his medications and checking his blood pressure and his oxygen and helping him walk to the bathroom, preparing his food, helping my mama all I could. All I was doing was good and needed. But Shauna drew up a chair in the living room, really close to daddy's chair because he couldn't hear very well. And she started talking to him. And she said, Poppy, tell me some stories. How his face lit up and the huge smile that he had when she interviewed him and asked him about his childhood and then his days in the military. He talked and he talked and talked. And she recorded what he shared. Time to sit and share heart to heart. And that's what Jesus wants from us heart intimacy. When we give ourselves to Jesus and we stop fretting about what's not getting done, we seek his presence, surrendering ourselves, our days, our schedules, and our to-do list to him, asking him to direct our days. He gives us a newfound peace. Psalm 3610 says, be still and know that I am God. Proverbs 1.23 says, Then I will pour out my thoughts to you, 
and I will make known to you my teachings. And then Luke 10, 42, few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Mary made the better choice. What will we choose? Our time with Jesus, the things that we learn while sitting at the feet of Jesus, will never be taken away from us. It will last forever. We need to schedule time for Jesus. It's the most important thing. Our top priority should be spending time with him and then relationships with others to tell them about Jesus and what he has done in our lives. Martha was in the kitchen preparing and Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. Mary chose what was better. God can knock down the walls and the kitchen and the living room can become one open concept like those home renovation TV shows. Open concept with Jesus' presence in the middle. He doesn't want more and more from us. He wants more and more of us. And he wants us to make the better choice. Will you pray with me? Dear Lord, thank you so much for meeting with us tonight. And Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the lessons from Martha's life, Lord, that we can apply to our own. Help us each day, Lord, uh, to sit quietly with you, to learn from you, to sit at your feet, to know and learn what your will is for our lives and to make that better choice. Lord, thank you for your word that is new and fresh every single morning. Thank you that you are available to us anytime, anywhere, and in any situation, and that you love us with an unconditional love. We love you, Lord, and we thank you in your name. Amen. Amen.